Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You can't just get on stage and put up a slice of real life and expect it to play. It doesn't, there's a, there's an artistry to it where you have to kind of exaggerate it just enough to make it feel like real life. This is the Improv Chronicle. I'm Lloydie. There are many different ways to do an improv show. And a large amount of long form improv in the US, the UK and elsewhere is a series of sketches, sometimes put together with a format that gives perhaps the illusion of narrative. But every once in a while, there are shows that are put up that are a slice of life. And it was a conversation that I had with a New York based improviser just a couple of weeks ago that made me want to make this episode. Hello there. I am Lewis Kornfeld. I am an improviser and an improv teacher, in, primarily in New York City and the USA. Um, I've been teaching at the Magnet Theater for nigh on 18 years. You said something a couple of weeks ago that really struck me. You were talking about how you enjoy taking like the smallest slices of life and turning mm. them into improv. I, I suppose, firstly, I'd, I'd love to know why that appeals to you as, as a thing to do. Um. Uh, not to get well. I why it appeals to me. I don't know why it appeals to me. I I, I tend to find very small things very funny. Um, I tend to appreciate things. I, I like it when things feel realistic, um, uh, and funny. And I'm not a hundred percent sure why I'm finding it so funny. I like it when when. Um, scenes don't have that quality of like straining to them of, of, of trying really hard to, uh, to sell people on, on the idea or trying really hard to like make something interesting happen. I like it when a scene is funny, but it has the confidence to just allow itself to be funny and it doesn't feel like it's straining to get there. So I don't know, it, it probably just like a more temperamental thing than anything else that I, I like that style of comedy. There's a very common kind of wisdom about finding what's funny in a scene that oftentimes is about, uh, you know, zeroing in on an unusual behavior or an unusual um, detail within a, a realistic situation and then heightening and exploring that detail, which is a great way to think about it. But I think it can also be a little bit limiting too, because there are times where you're watching scenes that are so enjoyable and you're like, there's nothing really unusual about this at all. 
it feels very usual. It, you know, it just feels very ordinary, but I, the scene has this kind of like glow quality to it. You know, there's just something about it that's like bright. And I always think of that in terms of there's like an aliveness to a scene that's really hard to exactly pinpoint how to create it or, or, or why it's, um, so engaging to watch. But a lot of times, you know, when, when that feeling is there and it's sort of spot on, you can kind of feel the entire room kind of come to life and people are really gripped and engaged by it. So I'm always sort of chasing this idea of like, how do you, how do you invite a moment where you have that sort of aliveness where a scene is completely compelling to watch, but you're doing the absolute barest minimum possible to create that effect. When Lewis uttered those words, I was taken immediately to a show that I did with fellow improviser Jenny Rowe here in the UK. We did a show in Nottingham in 2018 where we did so, so little and yet somehow achieved so much. So immediately I got on WhatsApp to her and thankfully she was around so that we could have a chat. Hi, I'm Jenny Rowe and I do improv and writing and acting and all those kind of things um, currently for the May Days and, and also and impromptu Shakespeare. Now, we have on occasion taken to the stage together as a, as a two-person show. We have. Two Seats, Four Cheeks. I was wondering what you think the benefit of little slice of life scenes is as opposed to kind of like these scenes that go massively cartoonish and get really overly blown uh well i i mean i do like sitting in the moment um uh quite frankly uh, i'm a bit overwhelmed sometimes when when scenes just take off and and go off really quickly and there's lots of action and lots of things happening um my brain doesn't work that quickly so uh scenes where uh we're just sitting in um one moment and just enjoying that and uh um uh what's the word uh watching watching the landscape go by i suppose uh, those are those are the fun for me because then well <laughs> i was going to say partly maybe it's because i'm a bit lazy and i just don't want to create new stuff but uh, i think mainly it's just it's just really digging down and noticing everything that's happening in that moment and what's that what's that feel and i the feeling what's the what is the feeling of that and also is it partly i think it's partly because i I like playing characters and i think once you've got a solid character then you don't need to do very much really if you've got a couple of solid characters you know you know who you are especially if you're sort of peas in the pod kind of characters um and I am thinking of uh, a scene that uh, we were just talking about uh, that we did um, with two elderly people making or drinking a cup of tea. And that's all really that happened. Um, uh, but because we knew who we were and we knew what our outlook and our point of view was, it meant that we could just sit there and, in, and enjoy that. And actually repetition can be really funny. And I think that's, a, that's something that I see a lot in clowning. Uh, which I love, something like Spy Monkey. Um, if anybody's ever seen Moby Dick, there's a there's a bit in that where um, Stefan is just trying to get on stage. Uh, it's on YouTube. Look it up. It's amazing. And he just tries to get on stage and slides off over and over and over and over again. And it's one tiny moment inflated to such huge proportions where it goes so wrong. Um, and you think he's going to make it, he doesn't make it. You think he's going to make it, he doesn't make it. Uh, and it's like, 
honestly, I love that show. But that's the main thing that I remember from that show because it was so funny and so so fun to watch. And I, I think that's what I like about sitting in the moment is you're just going, you're kind of inflating that moment. You're just sort of enjoy sitting together and enjoying it. So is it just a case of getting on stage and doing very little? Here's Lewis Kornfeld again. You can't just get on stage and put up a slice of real life and expect it to play. It doesn't, there's a, there's an artistry to it where you have to kind of exaggerate it just enough to make it feel like real life, but you have to be very selective about moments and, and you also have to be kind of keyed into like what is dramatically compelling in a scene. I think if there's no drama in a scene, it's really hard to keep people engaged in it. Um, but a lot of times when you think drama, you think like big drama. You know, I'm going to the barista. Oh, my God, the barista is my ex. How awkward, <clears throat> which could work. But but, you know, the, the real substance of, of real life and not real life's like high points or low points, but the kind of like middle range where most of us, you know, who would be listening to this podcast are living most of our lives. That mid range, it's mostly filled with mini dramas, micro dramas. Um, and if you have a sense of like how to get entangled in those micro dramas, then really like ostensibly dull scenes can be very engaging to watch. I, I was on a road trip with my partner and good friend, Rick Andrews, and, uh, <clears throat> we stopped at a Wendy's, which I don't normally do. And, and, um, and, uh, I said to the counter person, hi, can I have a, uh, I'll just have a, a double cheeseburger. And the counter person said, would you make like to make that a Dave special? And I said, what's a Dave special? And she said, well, it's like the same thing, but a little bit bigger. And I went, hmm. And I thought about it for like 10 seconds. And then I was like. Yeah, let's do a Dave special. <laughs> and what was going on in those tech, I don't know what I was thinking about exactly because I didn't really, I don't go to Wendy, so I don't have a frame of reference for either of those burgers, but I felt like caught by this woman working there. And I was like, I needed to have a good answer or whatever. And I was like slightly embarrassed and I was like unprepared to have this level of interaction with someone to answer a stupid question. And it really threw me off guard. I would consider that a micro drama. Mm. Um, you know, you're confronted with like a dumb choice or something like that, or there's an awkwardness or whatever it is. You have to like navigate this moment and it's not a big, important moment. It's actually a nothing moment. But you know, when you actually pay attention to like the substance of daily life, it's so full of so many of those stupid moments that you immediately forget as soon as you're done with them. But then when you see someone recreate it for you with an eye to detail, it, it like wakes you up and you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. That is exactly what that's like. And I think that there's something really like about the precision of finding those moments where you're like, this shouldn't be funny. This is a really dull situation, but my God, that's exactly what it's like. Um, it helps you remember something that you already know. You, you remember something you already feel that just kind of dissipates very quickly afterwards. I think there's a lot of value to that. And I think it can be really funny, partly because you feel less alone by it. it, it you know, it feels like your own private shortcomings as a person that I don't know how to answer a single question about a burger. But then when I see another character do it, I'm like, Oh, it's, this is not, this is the human experience, you know, to a very limited degree, the human experience in a, in a well-developed <laughs> industrial country that, you know what I mean? But, uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it brings value back to, I think what is frequently, um, devalued, which is the texture of just your regular everyday life. 
Coming next, Jenny Rowe talks about how every person has a little bit of inner drama. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. When you look at the average person walking down the street, you don't, you know, you know that they might have some like big shit happening big stuff happening to them but there's those also those little moments that could build up as well and and little moments where you know I don't like answering the phone and so I will I will procrastinate or or, sorry making a phone call so I will procrastinate for ages about doing that and obviously it's, it's usually fine when I do it nobody dies um but just the inner workings of my mind for the hour or so before I have to make that call. Uh, it, it's just a dialogue in my head going, come on, just do it. So it's fine. Um, uh, and then, yeah. And then just those, yeah. Um, again, I'm thinking about uh, that scene we did quite a few years ago now. Um, <laughs> and I, I mean, it, I, I can't remember what the awkwardness was it about was was about that scene. All I remember is that we were trying to make we were, were trying to make or, or drink a cup of tea in it. Yeah, and it just it just went on to the point of crying into our mimed cups. Um, sorry, <laughs> sorry, audience. <laughs> uh, they were they were they were on board. They were they were, they were laughing more than us. Only just <laughs> they true. were. It was it was one of those moments though that it and it did build as a scene because if I remember correctly, we were two old people, um, and I think one of us might have been visiting the other, or we were in a in some kind of residential care uh, setting. I can't remember. All I remember was. It was one of those pleasantries conversations, and yeah. we were, um, and uh, it was definitely one of those. Oh, uh, how about the weather? Kind of thing. And we, I think you yes. said something about the weather, which then just finished me off. Um, <laughs> and it was, yeah, it, it was delightful because it was it was so simple, but it was just finding those, I suppose, those small details, those yeah. small things, and allowing them to be funny because we we kind of honed in on them. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean for the for the audience, there's stuff to read in underneath, and uh, you know, uh, going, I, I guess, sort of going back to clowning again a bit. It's 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 that it, there's stuff happening underneath. There's like a little a little look or a or a uh, or a shrug or whatever, and if it happens enough, people start to go, oh, okay, this isn't what this isn't necessarily what that's about. There's something else underneath. Uh, as well which can be fun to play with so if we're going to play a slice of life on stage and play in this style what do we need to do i asked lewis cornfeld 
what he does before he goes on stage. I try to like come to my senses a lot. I have a tendency to like overthink and, and withdraw and go deep inside. So a lot of it is like really basic things are just kind of like breathe. Where are we? What's around us? What do you see? What do you hear? Just kind of let it, the, the more you can kind of let it be real for yourself, the more it begins to kind of become real for the people around you. Um, the more you're playing a, a character who is like a full person, you can kind of trust that I don't need to be constantly selling the one thing about this person over and over again. It, you know, um, if I take it slow and, and I just use my common sense and I, and I know why I'm here, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not just having a conversation. I know my purpose here. I, I know why my, my character is here and, and what they think they're doing here. Um, but then I, you don't feel a rush to like make anything happen. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It sounds so stupid when I, I try to explain it like that. Um, I like, don't, don't panic is a major part of it. Um, don't panic and trust that like small things are funny and micro, if you develop a, a, a um, an ability to tune into those micro dramas, it's really helpful. Um, and also like a major thing with micro drama, just to kind of back up with that for a second is if you watch a lot of improv, it, it's shocking how, frequently you watch scenes where people don't seem to give a shit about how the other person feels or, or, you know, um, don't care about hurting their feelings or whatever. That's a huge, huge mistake. Um, because the reality is in real life, we care very much about other people's opinions of us in real life. We generally don't like being jerks unless we kind of have to be, unless you're a jerk. Uh, and that's cool. Some people are better at being jerks, but for the most part, it's like, Oh, I, 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 you know, I, I have to, I have to give you a little criticism, but I also like you and I, I don't want to hurt your feelings. So I'm going to try to find a way to give this criticism in a way that doesn't, isn't too stinging or whatever. That creates a limitation. You know, if I have to give you this criticism, but I also want to spare your feelings, there's a difficulty there. And that creates a microdrama. And that microdrama is the source of our behavior together in the scene. So if I play a scene where it's like, I don't give a shit about your feelings. I don't care. Let's just, let's just heighten the game of this. And I treat you like you don't matter. I've missed an opportunity to actually explore a microdrama and to slow down and to find something funny in a very tiny moment. I have to go big now. I have to top the last thing or else the comedy is going to kind of diminish. But if I actually just kind of respect the fact that like, hey, my character is much like me, want people to like them. And my character is much like me, try to avoid conflict as much as possible. Um, and my characters just like me feel multiple things at the same time and try to hide that. Or my characters just like me are kind of dumb and, and, and don't know how they feel and are trying to choose the right words. Um, all of those are opportunities for micro dramas, you know, mm. uh, and that's what allows you to keep, to keep it small and simple and lifelike and still have it, have that dramatically compelling quality that you want. <laughs> The Improv Chronicle is hosted by me, Lloydie James Lloyd. You can get the world of improv delivered to your inbox every week when you subscribe to the Improv Chronicle newsletter. Just go to improvchronicle.com for more. And if you like what this podcast does, consider following us on your podcast subscriber. Just hit that follow or subscribe button and leave a rating and review. Because when you do, those make a huge difference. You know how it works with the algorithm. Also, you can donate to support this podcast using the link in the show notes. And if you'd be keen to sponsor an episode along with the newsletter, we can have a conversation. Get in touch. Also, for previous episodes and for transcripts, check out the website, improvchronicle.com. <laughs>